right here as Katsuri gets to Nisna. Makes a nice move in across the line. Drops it back to Nekdi. Nekdi past the shot. They score! Oscar Lindblom buries it. And the power play goal ties this game in two. This is episode 71 of the Liberty O. Danny Deemer here with Chris Stompo. As always, how are you, buddy? I, not so good. Like, the team, the team cannot score. They absolutely just cannot score right now. Tuning in, watching Flyers games, and watching them in the offensive zone has just been nothing but stress the last, well, since the Edmonton game. Pure stress, for sure. Like, I mean, what's going on here, man? I mean, to get right off the, the rip, like you said, they can't score goals. I mean, since the Edmonton game, they have scored 1.6 goals a game. And their power play has been three of twenty-eight since the Edmonton game. Like putrid. They, I mean, they just straight up haven't been able to score goals at all. And the first week of the season, uh, the first week and a half, I probably would say, we saw like goals come at a premium. I mean, we scored six the second game against Seattle, five against Boston. I'm pretty sure, and then the Edmonton game was five-three with Atkinson uh, scoring twice in that game. But since then, it's been 1.6 goals per game. I mean, it's been brutal, dude. Do you know who I'm the most frustrated with? And you probably, you probably, take a guess. It's a, like, player or coach? Player. Lindy, right? It does, surprisingly not. No? One more, I'll give you one more. Player that you're most... That, that you're most Just pissed with. off at. Just pissed off at. <laughs> JVR? Yeah, 100% JVR, bro. What the fuck's going on with him this year, dude? I mean, I, I think you have every right to be mad at him. But, like, then again, I feel like the people that always defend him always go back on, okay, he's a very streaky player. And I can agree with that. He is. That's what he's been. Okay, well, then when's the hot streak, dog? Yes. Like, when's the hot streak? Yeah, no, seriously. Like, how long are these stretches are we talking about? Yeah, I know. Is it, like, 15 games of cold, and then he scores six goals in three games, then it's 15 games of cold? Listen, I mean, I'm just going to say, he's one of them guys, if he's not scoring goals, like, he sucks, bro. Like, I just got to say it like that. Like, he, he has hands. He has... He has skill, like you can see it when he has the puck, the way he maneuvers. But he just can't fucking move. Like he just doesn't move fast enough. It's so frustrating. It's like I, I don't honestly, know, he's like a, I honestly feel like his two way game has gotten better. Like his defensive his defensive game has gotten better since I mean, especially since when we first signed him back when when Hexlaw got him. But like you said, two goals in the first why how many games has it been? Thirteen is it's pretty unacceptable. I know he scored in like the latest. The fact that we're having this conversation right off the rip and he scored in Dallas is pretty funny. But um, oh, I mean that 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 is not a goal. <laughs> hopefully that can get him going though. Something like that just to kind of get the the weight off your shoulders, I guess, can maybe start to get him going. Hopefully, I mean I'm I'm clicking on to something here because I. I I, I agree with you. The the stretches and where he doesn't put up points are are coming too far in between right now. Um, especially and like with Kevin Hayes, is. Kevin Hayes he makes seven million dollars as well. Mm. When Kevin Hayes is not producing, you see him. I don't want to say like they're all earning their money because they're under contract, but like Kevin Hayes is getting the most value out of his contract because even when he's not scoring, he's bringing two way game, PK capabilities. Yeah. Still dishing the puck, like. Well, you made a great point the other day when we were talking about how Thompson right now, 
Hayes being back kind of makes him expendable because the main thing with Thompson, I don't know why he was such a like a vital part of this lineup, was A, the veteran presence that he brings, and B, is the PK. I think Nate Thompson is an extremely good uh, penalty killer because he can win face-offs in the defensive zone, and that's huge, obviously. But, like, you, I mean, you said it, uh, I think it was a couple days ago. Maybe it was the day Hayes came back, but I agree. Him, Hayes being back now, especially the, the guys that we added. I mean, Borchek for Atkinson was in itself a good trade for what both teams needed. But Atkinson comes over here and plays on the PK. Voracek never really played on the PK. So we we add him, we add Broussard. You got Lawton, Couturier, Hayes now. It does make Thompson a lot more expendable. But I don't know. You you going on that tangent kind of just reminded me of you uh, You bringing that up earlier a couple of days ago, I think. Yeah, and it's like I got nothing against Thompson. Like there's there's a portion of the Flyers fan base that'll have you believe there are some people who just genuinely hate Nate Thompson. That's not the case here. I don't I don't hate the guy. I actually he's deployed like ninety percent of the time in the defensive zone. Like we know what he's here for. For sure. And when your team isn't scoring goals, I would like a guy who can be deployed in the offensive zone a bit. How are you if People who have like actual beef with Nate Thompson and get upset at him, I mean, I would direct your anger towards AV. I mean, AV is the one deciding to put him out there after JVR scores that goal. Like, why is your fourth line going out there? That's like that's my kind of like. I have no problems with the fourth line and how it's set up because, like you said, they're out there to basically kill time and give your stars a rest, especially guys like Nate Thompson and. I mean, McEwen's been awesome to start the season. I think McEwen's the one guy who shouldn't move from that fourth line, but. I mean, like you said, they don't play that much. They're, they're there for a reason. They're just there to kill time. But you would like to see a little bit more from from Thompson. And, I mean, Limblom's going to be a healthy scratch next game. So, hopefully he can get going too. Yeah, let's get right into the recent lineup changes. Uh, yeah. Limblom's going to be scratched. NAK to Colorado. Ellis out for a while. Yeah, I mean, now Patrick Brown's going to slot back in. So, it's probably going to be... Nate Thompson slash Patrick Brown at center because they sometimes flip-flop. And then McEwen on the right. So the fourth line tomorrow against Calgary is going to be Nate Thompson next to two guys we got off the waiver wire like right before the season started. So I I don't hate it. I don't love it. But I'm excited to see them in action, I guess I could say. So, I mean, we'll see without – with that fourth line. I mean, I, I personally think the fourth line could be so much better than it is, and we'll we'll get into it, but, yeah. Like, I'm just a firm belief when, you, when you're when you riding guys you got off waiver wire and you're riding guys like Thompson, that's okay in the beginning of the year. Like, first couple of games, I don't think it's a long-term solution, and that's where you have to start to look at a guy like Morgan Frost, seriously, because he will be in the picture down the line. For sure. And so... It, it, it just makes you... Uh, I mean, we'll get into Frosted a little bit later. But it just makes you wonder um, with what they have now and the cap space they have now, what they even could do to fix the scoring drought, or at least the front office. It's it's just kind of all on the players. Like The top six needs to get going again. Yeah. But unfortunately, when the top six isn't going, nobody is. Yeah, and by no means are we sitting here blaming the Flyers scoring 1.6 goals on Nate Thompson because I, <laughs> I don't want people to come away... With that idea, that is that's not what we're saying here. But we're just saying that 
the the top like you just said the top six if they're if, if Jeru Couturier and Konechny aren't scoring like they have been for the past week and a half because to start the season it was Broussard, Faraby and Agassin scoring like it, it's been one sh- one line's been on and then the other two have been off and then the fourth line just is what it is and then it's been flip flopped you have the the Jeru line and the uh, Drew Couturier Konechny line scoring and then the other two are completely silent because the third line has never got going in my opinion you have flashes here and there with that Limblom Lawton. And then JVR line. I mean, it's been a little bit better now that they switched it up with Faraby Lawton and JVR. But I, I, I'd never liked that off the from the start. But definitely need more scoring from the top top six because if it's not coming from the Giroud line right now, it's been coming from apps. I mean, Bassard, as much as I love them to start out, start out, he I mean, he's fallen off an offensive cliff completely. I mean, he he he's been playing well too. I mean, I, I don't have any like, real complaints about Bassard's play, but. The offensive side has just not been there at all. And th- this is where I kind of have a gripe with the coaching staff, and I'd more particularly Lane Vigneault, honestly. Uh, JVR gets that goal to make it 2-1. Yeah. And immediately the fourth line gets deployed. Yeah, that's what I just said five they get minutes ago. To, yeah, 3-1, and that's the game. Why and is... he's done that many times. Like, showed... that's... Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. I'll just say it's not the first time AV's done that. I mean, I, I've seen, I've literally seen him do it in the playoffs. I've seen him do it in the playoffs, and I've seen it burn us so many times. Like I don't understand the obsession with putting the fourth line out right after a goal. I feel like it's his safety blanket. I don't know. He always seems to just fall back on the fourth line when times. I don't, it's, it's not even. It's not even like you're sitting here saying times get tough because they just scored a goal. So I, I have no idea why. Sean Couturier or or Bassar's line wasn't out there. I mean, at worst, why wasn't it Lawton's line? But um, I mean, hey, it was one game. I mean, that Dallas game wasn't the best game in the world, but at least we took two out of the possible four points on that on that little road trip because that Carolina game was awesome. It kind of like that Dallas game kind of looked like a team that exerted all of their energy in a in the game before. Not to give them excuses because they played like shit against Dallas, but. That Carolina game was a really fun kind of playoff-like game. I enjoyed myself watching that. What what leaves a sour taste in my mouth from the last week is neither is not the Dallas game, and it's not the fact that they had that big win and then that emotional let. It's the Toronto game. If they if they would have shown a little bit of life in that Toronto game, I would be okay with two out of four. But pe- like when people say back to back two out of four. But that you just lost three zero at home to Toronto. Like I, ah. no, 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 we can get into that to, uh, that Toronto game a little bit if you actually want to because it's that was brutal. brutal. Toronto at times does not look like a playoff team. Seriously, like and that's you, because of their defense. Yeah, Toronto gave us off every opportunity to, to 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 stay in that game. And if you go back right now, I mean that game's almost a week old, and you look at the stats, it's thirty six to thirty three shots flyers. So, like, if you didn't watch that game, you're thinking, okay, Flyers outshot them, Campbell must have stood on his head. And that's just not what happened at all. I, mean, I wrote about it in my blog after they lost. It, it, he was not tested at all throughout the entire night. I mean, I went to the game with my pops. He, he had maybe, maybe two tests all night in, in, in total. I mean, all those shots were purely Dave Haxtell point flubber shots that he saw the entire way. I mean, nothing nothing tested him throughout the entire night. I mean, the power play 
that night. Was 0 for 4, and then the next night, the next game in Carolina, 0 for 5. I mean, they have been atrocious. So the offense has just been non-existent. And even when they are getting shots against the Maple Leafs in that one game, they they really weren't even quality, high danger chances. I'm pretty sure I heard Jim Jackson say when I watched the replay when I got home, he was like, he was like, these shots look like they're a lot, but I mean, I'm pretty sure they had the the hottest, not the hottest, the, the highest shot total in either the Toronto game or the Carolina game in the first in the first period. But it didn't really matter because they're not high danger chances. You know what I mean? Yeah, it all starts and ends with the power play, man. Because yeah. of the drought of the power play, I think it just seeps and the frustration bleeds over to even strength because when you have a power play, like when you go on the power play and the other team clears it five straight times and just completely demoralizes your team, takes all the momentum, all the wind out of the sails, like that that's where it starts and ends here. The, the power play needs to get going. I texted you the other night. Uh, I forget what game it was in particular, but I was like, this is the exact kind of game where you need just a fucking power play goal. Like, I think it was a one nothing game. I forget exactly which the one Toronto it was. but game, I'm pretty sure. Was it? It was just a game that it was kind of, and hold on, to correct myself, it was the Dallas game that we had 19 shots in the first period. Or it was a season high for them, but it really wasn't anything of quality yet again. But no, I think the Toronto game was the game that you texted me that. Because like on 5-on-5, five five, it was kind of like a, a very open game. Like I said 30 seconds ago, the Toronto Maple Leafs kind of let the Flyers stay in that game for longer than they should have. So it, that was definitely the kind of game where if you could steal a power play goal, you're, you're in that game and you're winning. So I'm pretty sure that was the game. But yeah, it's it's been bad. The, the power play hasn't won them the, hasn't won them games or put them in games when the talent on those power plays should should definitely put you in games and, and, and win you some. Because the goaltending's won them games to start the season. So, like Yeah, exactly. And that's what hurts the most is that they've been put in a spot to, to win every game. Like, I'm just going to go down the list here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vancouver game, shootout loss. Okay. Florida game. Yeah, the, I think fair to say they had a chance to win that game. It was a Huberto breakaway in the third period that won them that. The Calgary Cal- game they were in. One nothing, yeah, one nothing for a lot of that game. The Pittsburgh loss, I mean, that's a weird goal by Latang, but otherwise, like they're in that game, they got a point. And Toronto, yeah, they were in it for a little bit, not as much as the others, but uh, they were in the, they were kind of in that Dallas game too, like when they, yeah, thanks to goaltending, especially in the Toronto game, they were only in those games because of Carter Hart. They weren't in those games because they were playing well and just not not getting the chances the other way. It's, yeah, that's the frustrating that's part. The frustrating. If, if the offense gets clicking, this record could be magnificent. I mean, I hate to say it, I hate to say it, but it reminds me of last year. It's exactly what happened last year to start the season. The first couple games was awesome because we were winning games and Carter Hart was stopping what thirty nine of forty shots a game, and then it kind of all fell apart. The offense has got to fucking step up, man. It really does. 1.6 goals a game in the last eight games, 3 for 28 on the power play. I don't know how you could spin that in a positive direction at all. Yeah, there, there's no, well, the process looked good. No. Well, the, well, their first period was good. <laughs> like When this is a constant theme for two weeks, when I tune into a Flyers game and I know they're not scoring more than two goals, that's a problem. Yeah, so how like, I, t- I tuned in last night, or... Not last night. Uh, Sunday. Sa- Saturday. I tuned in Saturday, oh, yeah, wow. and I knew they weren't going to get more than two goals. I wanted a 2-1 win, because that's like the only thing that they can get right now is a 2-1 win. Yeah, I 
mean, it's... <laughs> I mean, well, I'm sure we'll talk about the power play, but Giroux being on the, still being on the right wall is a fucking joke. It's an absolute joke. I've been screaming about it ever since it's been a thing. I don't know why they changed the power plays up when they did, like, during that West Coast trip. But, I mean, Yan was back on the first power play now, whoop de doo But they need to put Giroux back on the left wall because the right wall is just not, like... There's no one-timer setups. Faraby's on the opposite wall, and Drew's on the right wall. In what sense is... I have no idea what uh, Michelle Terry is doing. He, he, yeah, it's time, it's time to have a conversation about him. It really is. In, in, <laughs> it's, in the begin, It's been time. But, it's been time. But in the beginning, it was one of those things like where he just got hired, brand new regime. Now it's to the point where I, I don't think the power play has ever been good under him. I cannot name you a time. Consistently, no, yeah, I can agree with that. Consistently? 1920, it was our biggest complaint. I remember we went on the podcast and we were like, the team is spanking everybody. They're winning games. Hart looks great. No team's going to beat us in a four-game series, but the power play sucks. Yeah. That was like, it's always been the theme. It's been a constant theme for, I feel like, uh, since fucking chemo team went in the lab, honestly. Since Ghost had that huge rookie season, the power play has been shit. Honestly, since Simmons and Ghost have left, power play has been shit. I'm, I'm not saying those are the pure reasons, but I mean that's the I feel like the last time that we've had a power play that, like that when a flyer got slashed on the wrist and I saw an arm go up where I sat up on the edge of my seat. I don't sit up on the edge of my seat anymore. Like I, I get excited when they set up into the zone. When <laughs> like when they get into the zone now and they finally like, get some passes going, I'm like, okay, maybe something can happen. But usually it doesn't. But the fact that I'm getting excited by the fact that they're entering a zone and setting up while being one man up is pretty sad to me. It's pretty sad that they're getting outmanned on pucks sometimes while being one man up. It makes a lot of sense. I I, I don't know. They 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 go in this like, this complacent mode when they go one man up. There's no urgency. There's nobody whipping through the zone with the puck and skating really fast. There's there's no sense of urgency. I mean. The only play they do is that drop-back play that my grandma could fucking see coming from a mile away. It's the only play they do on the power play. I mean, other teams have got to see that and be like, okay, they're going to come up the ice with probably Yandel or or JVR with the puck, and then he's going to look behind them, and then there's going to be two guys in the back, and they're going to drop it back and try to either cross-ice a pass in or uh, dump and chase. That's the only thing that they do. Nobody tries to take, in the, pu- take the puck in the zone with... With speed and, and then set up that way. That's honestly the one thing that we're missing Jake Voracek for. I mean, Jake Voracek was tremendous in doing that. He, he entered the zone with possession and he got things going and got things set up. I, I will admit that we do miss Jake for uh, that part of the power play that he brought to that for sure. Like you said, they, they get complacent. Before they draw the penalty, you see a flash. You see a flash of urgency. They're crashing the net. They're getting juicy rebounds. And then they get that penalty call. And then, it's, like you said, it's the, the lazy, let's slow it down, drop it back. The same play we've yeah. been doing since I was 14 years old. That's cool. The let's most, not switch it up at all. The most exciting play that they've done on the power play this year is that behind-the-net bounce play that they've, they've, they've tried every game. That that's the most exciting play that they've done so I know. I mean, like, personal opinion, that's the only time, like, my eyeballs... Yeah. Like, oh, oh, is when they do that play because we've seen it work. I mean, you you made a little joke on Twitter today with Hartnell. Like, Yo, can you come back into the slot and 
and rips up pucks again. And but seriously though, like, I read that and chuckled a little bit, but then I got sad after because like I, where's that play gone? I mean, can can Faraby go in the slot if he's not going to be used right on the on the right wall like he should be with Giroux on his left side? Like, if that's not going to happen, can we put? I mean, even then, if we put Faraby in the slot and then Giroux's still on the right wall, that still doesn't even set up a one time one time option because. It just doesn't work out with the with the hand in this. It's insane to me that Jerusalem. In, in no scenario does that work out. He can he can he can go over there during the play and like find himself if the play like makes that happen. But he should be starting out and mainly in his left left wall spot. It blows my mind, dude. It really does. Obviously, not everybody can be the Boston Bruins. Clearly, but I was watching the Bruins last night on the power play and it became clear to me what the difference in their power play is and the flyers. And I'm not just saying world-class goal scoring the, the, they have so many different ways to beat you. Think about how many ways the flyers have to beat you. It's probably like point shot, juicy rebound, drew shot or Drew's quick snap pass that ends up getting either shot or redirected into the net. The Bruins, they do so many different set plays, and I'm not talking about that bank behind the net. Like McAvoy, Pasternak, Bergeron, and Mar- Martian has that right side. He like plays the bumper a little bit, always gets a one-timer from there. If he doesn't have it, he gives Pasternak the one-timer. And then I saw them those two plays kind of get locked up yesterday, mm-hmm. and then as soon as it got locked up, Pasternak gave it to Martian and immediately just tapped it to Bergeron in the slot, and he wired one. And I... That's just the, the thing the Flyers are missing. They, they can't beat you from multiple areas. Like, yeah. the Bruins could beat you from the left wall, slot, right wall. You have to be, keep an eye on all of them at all times. I can't tell you a player on the Flyers right now where if they get the puck on the power play, I think it's going in. Uh, maybe Giroux. Maybe Giroux. My eyes raise a little bit. I mean, right now, yeah, I mean, I can agree with that. Nobody, there are no real set plays besides that bank play on the power play right now. I mean, they... they integrated the behind the net stuff with with JVR and and Giroux a little bit to start the season I think I remember or, or maybe that was training camp I kind of forget but yeah like you said there's no set plays there's there's no urgency on the power play something's something's got to change I hope they see I hope we see a different power play tomorrow against Calgary at home and that's going to be a big test man Calgary's Calgary's a good team and the Flyers have not been playing good hockey lately, just straight up. So, I'm interested to see where that goes. Calgary's eight, three, and four. So, I'm absolutely interested in this game because we saw Calgary last game. They're they're phenomenal. Like they're just they're a fun hockey team yeah, to watch. Mm-hmm. And a um, couple days of rest, home game. The Flyers always respond after a loss. Think they're undefeated after a loss. Yeah, I, I want to see if that can continue. So I'm definitely interested. I know I know they're gonna play hard tomorrow night. It's just a matter of if the, it's gonna hit the back of the net. But I know they'll come out hard. They have to. Definitely gonna come out hard. They, I mean, you're 100 percent right in saying that they're undefeated. They're currently five and zero after losing. So, yeah, they definitely you can definitely count on them coming out hard. So, every game so far this season, they've they've answered with a with a pretty convincing W. To be honest with you, I mean. The L against Vancouver to start the season, they they followed that up with a six one win against Seattle. The four two loss against Florida was followed with the five three huge win in Edmonton. 
The 4 nothing loss in Calgary was followed with the 3 nothing shutout against Arizona. The 3-2 overtime loss for Pittsburgh was followed by the 2-1 win against Washington. The 3 nothing loss, even though we just talked about it, that even that was followed up with a 2-1 win in Carolina, and I just got talking about how good of a game that was. So now that leaves the 5-2 loss against Dallas with this Calgary game coming up tomorrow. So like you said, we can definitely count on them coming out hard. It's whether or not they can score goals because the offense has just been asleep for the past eight games completely. Yeah, they they need a game. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'll say they need a game. I feel like I almost say statement game a lot, but they really do need a message-sending statement game where they maybe they go out against Calgary here and they win 5-2 and Konechny rifles one and Katorie Potts agrees you won, and then maybe the boys are back. Maybe it all clicks again. They need that kind of... Or maybe a game where they come back from behind. Something like that. Like, they're down 2-0 in one of these games, and you think they won't break through, and then they explode for four. Something something that just kind of changed the, yeah, the vibe. I mean, they haven't scored more than three goals since they won 6-1 against Seattle. Think about that. I mean, uh, uh, 6-3 against Boston. I'm sorry. They haven't scored more than three goals since then. Well, no, Edmonton. Right. Well, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. The Edmonton game. The Even that, that that was like a that was a month ago now. So I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, the Edmonton game was the last time they scored more than three goals. Three weeks ago. Yeah. That's three weeks ago. That's that's bad, man. I don't know why I said the the Boston game because actually the Edmonton game is the the game that I started all those stats out with because that's eight games ago. So yeah, since then it's been bad because the power play has been brutal since then too. Three for twenty-eight, like I said, to start off the show, and that started with the Vancouver game. It was right after that Edmonton game, so right after that huge win is when we kind of start started to see things kind of snowball down, if you will. Yeah, man, like that Vancouver game showed early signs of it, and it was definitely in the back of everyone's head, but they didn't want to kind of address it yet the Calgary game really broke it open and honestly the Arizona game kind of exposed them there were times in that Arizona game where I was like are we about to lose yeah are we gonna lose the Coyotes no I mean there were times I mean look we were just talking about how they were in the they were in those other games they were in the Calgary games to start for a little bit they were in the Florida games Arizona was in that game for at least two and a half periods so yeah the Flyers haven't really played Real good hockey in a long time besides that Carolina win, to be honest with you. And it's been a while. Because that Washington win was nice, but it's come scattered. The good wins have come scattered. They haven't consistently put a couple of nice wins together. It's been inconsistent hockey with terrible power play and no offense. You can't rely on your, your goalies every game and now with Ryan Ellis out for a long period of time I mean not long period of the foreseeable future we'll see how long it's going to be but I mean throughout this entire time without Ellis before the Dallas game I, I would always tell myself okay they're getting through it um the record's good without him they're winning games but now knowing that he's going to be out for the foreseeable future just puts so much more pressure on the offense in my opinion I mean that's all I've been thinking about was like okay my one thought was, okay, Ellis is going to come back and it's going to bring a boost to the offense because he brings such a a great, great presence to that power play too. I mean, I mean, he had an assist in that Dallas game, him and Hayes in their first games back. So, I mean, losing him now for an extended period, it's going to suck. And, I mean, they got to find a way to score goals, man. They really do, other than the fucking top line. 
what sucks the most is we lost Ellis for nothing. Like, we deployed him in a game I know. in Dallas. Game number 13 in Dallas. And we... we I don't know if we rushed him back, but it kind of feels that way now, obviously. Because, I mean, he was day-to-day, week-to-week leading up to that game, and then suddenly Hayes comes back, and he probably was like, oh, I'm good to go. Clearly was not uh, the right move now. I'm definitely worried about the future of the defense, but maybe it'll give that offense a little kick in the ass that they need. I mean, I've I mean seen, it hasn't yet, but... Have you seen any of these Cam York statements that people have, like, call it, is it time for Cam York or, or, or Zermula? I'm like, oh, gosh. Are, people aren't saying that, are they? I've seen a couple. Not not that I want to, like, bring any light to that crazy talk right now, but... No, I no. just thought it was Cam York... Cam York is... He's not even, like, doing been, that great in the AHL. No, so. he hasn't been good, though, man, to be honest. I mean, I've watched exactly. every game. He had a goal a couple games ago, but he he hasn't... He's got to be good down there before he, they even consider calling him up here. But, um... Yeah. I, the, the offense has got to get going. 1.6 is, is not a good number, Danny. That needs to go up in the next couple games for sure. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. You got Calgary, you got Tampa, and then you got Boston. Like, those are tough yeah, man. teams. And then you got and then, Tampa and Florida and Car Carolina right after that. Yeah, I know. It's tough. <laughs> and then New York and then the Rangers and then the Devils. Like, okay. Nothing gets easier after this. Really no, and then, and then after that, it's Tampa, Colorado, Vegas. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like you said, it doesn't get easier. Like, the Flyers had their, their little run where, I mean, I wouldn't say easy games, but, uh, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Washington, Toronto, Carolina, Dallas. I mean, that's not as terrible as Tampa, Boston, Tampa, Florida, Carolina. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's going to be a hell of a fucking two weeks right there. If we can win win those games and stay and, like, look good in those games, man, then that's going to fire me up. But we Here's the weirdest thing about the Flyers, ready? They will, I'm, right? I, yeah, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm going into this week expecting them to get slaughtered. And th- this is the statement week I've been wanting forever. Watch. Now, this is the best because we're recording this episode the night before tomorrow's game, and we're shitting on the offense, and they'll come out tomorrow and score like six goals against against Calgary. Well, you'll know why. Yeah, you'll know why. You'll know exactly why if they if if they come out and score six tomorrow. Thank thank us. But stumps, I'm gonna frame it like this. Ready? (laughs) Okay. And I'm gonna just break it down simple. One point six. Average over what was it last five eight. plus eight. eight? Oh my lord! Yeah, yeah, bro. It's since that oh Vancouver. my god, that's so bad. All right, so one point six over eight games, mm-hmm. and how, how many points does Morgan Frost have in the AHL in his last nine? In his last nine? Yeah, or seven. His last. Give me the stat. Okay, so. I would say his last one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's got two, three, four, five, six. He's got nine in his last eight. On a team that is the worst in the American Hockey League. Yeah. The Arizona Coyotes of the American Hockey League. Seven in his last six. So, yeah, the, the literal Arizona Coyotes of the... I mean, they've been better recently, but... Wonder why. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, I just wonder why it might have something to do with the fact that someone 
is going crazy down there right now. And if you're not watching the games, you look at the box score and you, you'll, you'll see one assist, one assist, one assist. And you'll think, oh, okay, secondary assist didn't have. No, this kid is impacting games. He's the reason they are, they have the wins that they do. Go look at the box score from the wins. Go look at who helped dagger those games. I mean, him and Wilman have been really good. I mean, Wilman doesn't have as many points as Frost has. Frost has been a lot more consistent with his points. Oh, I also wonder why on that one. Maybe it's because maybe it's because he doesn't pass. Oh yeah, I, th- uh, that was brutal, was it not? I mean, I thought that was only me watching. I was like, pass the puck, dude. Jesus. No, dude. He does. He does an Austin Matthews attempt at a drag wrister the first time, and then the second time he has Frost wide open for a one time in overtime, I think, and then doesn't doesn't give it to him. I mean, it is what it is. Like. Yeah, I mean, he's got 10 in his last 10 as up there in the AHL. So. All I'm saying, and let, let me just finish this up and I'm going to let you go off. No, go ahead. If, if the objective going into the season, from what we were told with Morgan Frost, was... Well, going into the season, it was two-way game. Yeah. Well, it looks like he's improved on that. He's playing on the PK. If you look at his goal, that is a shorthanded... Or if you look at his assist, that is a shorthanded play that he makes on the defense on the defenseman he strips the puck goes the other way feeds Willman and then the celebration will follow in the interview after I mean everything about like everything about his last game just oozed confidence to me it's really nice seeing him it's not it's really nice seeing him put up points and then to do what he did that night and continue to put up the points and then just just look extremely confident and the entire game. I mean, he should have had more than one point that game. I mean, he that that little dish he had to to, to Mayhew. Me and you, like, me and you were together. We would have looked at each other like, okay, the kid's confident. That's a that's a confident Frost kind of dish right there. Like that's a it's not like a pass that you see a lot of players make. And he was just making moves out there, man. It's nice seeing him. It's nice seeing him finally get comfortable because we know we know it's in him. So it's nice uh, him seeing him be a, a point point per game player in the last ten games down there on a on a pretty bad hockey team if i'm gonna put it lightly yeah. i mean we, we said it two weeks ago what's the criteria and mm-hmm. since those two weeks he has elevated his game beyond where it was at at that time and i'm not just saying this because i followed his career since he's been drafted he's been great like no, he's been yeah. great down there he's not only putting up the points but i mean other than that one play where he jumped up and then tried to catch the puck and then like fell and then it goal score the other way. I mean, that's the only bad defensive play, if that's even a quote-unquote defensive play, you can say. I mean, he was just trying to keep the puck in and just failed. I mean, he's not Odell. But, uh, I mean, his defense has been, I mean, I tweeted about it. His two-way play from two years ago, I mean, even when, he, like, his two-way play from when he made the team out of camp before he got injured was, has been, it, it's light years better now than it was ever was back then. And the fact that he's doing that down there while putting up points, 10 points in his last 10 games, nine points in his last seven. I mean, the fact that he's doing that, I mean, it's important for him. It's important for his development. It's important for the Flyers. Because like Chuck said, the next time that you see him, he's going to be helping us win hockey games. And if he continues doing it, I mean, I feel like we've been saying it for the last two, three weeks, especially to each other um, in personal text. But seriously, I mean, they play Wednesday, so right after the Flyers play Calgary. And if he, if he put up a couple points and we don't score any goals and we're still scoring 1.6 points per game, I mean, it's got to cross Chuck's mind. I mean, he's not a 19-year-old kid anymore. It's, he's 22 years old. Where is he going to be playing in 
two months, probably the NHL. So time to get him up here. Time to see what he's got. It's time. It's, it's finally time to see what you got, Morgan Frost. If if he continues that, I mean, ten in his last ten is pretty good to me. While being sound defensively, I mean, what else did you want from him? That's exactly what you sent him down for. Now, now we're just playing games. I feel like. Yeah, ten in his last ten, and imagine if he was playing on like the Springfield Thunderbirds, top AHL team They're in the league. Good. They're they a good fucking good. hockey team. AHL hockey is actually really fun to watch because even though it's a more defensive kind of game, I mean. Fans, fans know. I mean, last year's team was really fun to watch. Like when you have a team that can defend well in the AHL and get good goaltending, those games can be really fun to go to. We got to catch a AHL game some sometime soon. Phantoms game. Yeah, I mean the PPL Center is beautiful. Oh, it really is. If anyone hasn't gone there, it's it's amazing. And the whole area it's in, like the whole surrounding area, it's it's an amazing stadium, amazing setup. Um, do you want to get into the mailbag? Yeah, why not? Mailbag had a couple questions. Before we get into the mailbag, though, quick word from the partners. The Liberty Yell is now the official partner of Park Sportsbook. New users sign up today using code Liberty Yell and get a risk-free bet up to $500. And when you deposit $25, it really helps the boys out. That's Liberty Yell, all one word. So if you think you have a lock on a game tonight, why not have some risk-free insurance? Thank you once again to Park Sportsbook and back to the action. And we are back with the mailbag questions submitted by the listeners. And we're going to yes. get right into them. I think we have five this time. I think we had like 18 last time. What's up with this? Well, I don't know. Um, uh, the, the, the time difference between when I when we asked and when we started the pod was a lot different last time. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah we did wait like five days. Yeah. Um, Adrian, or Aiden, oh, I'm so sorry. How <laughs> does the fly, How does the Ryan Ellis trade look now? Do you still think it was worth it? Could we have used his cap space on somebody more consistent? See, I, I was actually kind of preparing myself for this question as we were getting ready for the pod. I'm still doing that trade 10 times out of 10, 100%. It's 10 not, out of it's 10. It's not like Ryan Ellis brought this injury over with him and it was something that we knew about and like we're taking a risk with. I mean, we knew about that, that knuckle injury that really wasn't even like a, a knuckle injury that he completely shot that down in that in that interview. And he, he came back in the playoffs last year for the Nashville Predators and he had, like I think, five points in... The, the playoff games that he was in, four points, I think. It's not like he brought this injury over. It, it sucks. It, it happened in the, in the Seattle game. No, in the pre, in the last preseason game, and he said by this at the end of the Seattle game, he realized that he couldn't keep going with it. It was bothering him that much. Yeah, I'm still making that trade because a healthy Ryan Ellis is, is a lot better than what we gave up for him. It sucks that he's going through this injury phase now, but it's not like – you know, you know what I mean. It's not like he brought it over. Like, it's not like we knowingly yeah. took a risk. Like, it's it's it sucks that he's injured, but I'm not gonna start getting into this these weird. Con- oh, would you not? It's so easy to go back and look at trade, especially when a guy gets injured to start. I mean, isn't Nolan, Nolan Patrick injured right now to start the the season? That he played like four or five games and then got hurt. Yeah. Mount Myers has been a scratch. Like, no, I wouldn't go back and change anything about that trade because a healthy Ryan Ellis is ten times better than what we gave up. So. No. And as far as his, uh, could we have used the cap space on somebody more consistent? I mean, we're locked into this guy for six years. So if this was like a one-year deal, maybe I'd be a little scared. But to f- back your point further, Chris, how you said he came back last year and was electric for Nashville. He, this is one of those guys, when he comes back, he'll be fine. It's just about coming back. And 
Hopefully the Flyers are in a, a decent little spot in the standings and he can just come back. I'm not worried about him when he comes back, though. And uh, the trade's great because could we have used his cap space on someone more consistent? I don't know. I really don't know because the other big fishes out there got paid $10 million and they're playing on the Devils and the Chicago Blackhawks. Yikes. I mean, like, I don't know, dude. I don't know who else defensive-wise... They would have went out and got who had the same yeah. impact that he has. He had five points, goal, four assists, and six playoff games last year when he came back. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not doing anything different with that trade. It sucks that he's going through what he's going through. I hope he gets better. Honestly, I would let him sit for it. I would put him on LTIR and just let him sit for a month, try to get better, uh, and just do that because this whole bouncing back and forth shit is probably not good for him. So. Jersey John says, will the Flyers make the playoffs? Yes. I, I think so, too. Yeah. I think It's a tough division. It, it really is. And, if, dude, it, what really bothers me is if you see, do you know those uh, point projection charts, like, from Micah? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Every single one of them has the Flyers at, like, 78 points. Really? Have you seen? Yeah, have you seen it? No, I don't really look at those things to be honest with you. As, as you should not. Like <laughs> it has the Flyers. Those point projections. I'm gonna send it to you directly following this podcast. It's from that Micah, the, the yeah, graph, yeah. the graph guy. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I know exactly who you're talking about. So, on that point projection, it has the Flyers not only in last place of the Metro Division. They're like over underline is set at 78 for points. Like, Jeez. are you serious? Like they have a positive record. They have a positive record right yeah. now. What point projection could tell you that they're not going to have a positive record by the end of the year? There's eighty. There's 82 games. 78 points. The Flyers aren't going to hit that? Are you kidding me? That's such. The, throw it all out. Throw it all in the trash. I know it's a tough division. Throw all that in the trash. The Flyers will not finish with anything close to 78 points. Yeah, I'm gonna, definitely going to come back to this pod later in the season and see... And see where they're at, but I mean, fifth in the Metro right now, seven four and two. Like you said, it's. A, I mean, the, the Devils are seven four and three. Like the Devils have been a lot better this year than I actually expected them to be. And that's without Hughes too. Like they yeah. they are legit fun to watch, man. I mean, Dougie Hamilton it was a pretty good ad, and he scored tonight. I mean, not tonight. Last, I think it was last night. But yeah, couple couple pleasantly like fun teams to watch this year. Ducks. That I don't think any the Ducks are absolutely one of them. If you have if you have ESPN Plus, and you're bored at 10 p.m., just watch Ducks games, dude. Mm-hmm. Like that, those are a great time. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings, I love the way they play. I like I absolutely love the way they play. They lost tonight, but they did, yeah. they're in a lot of games lately. They've been keeping games close, and I always love seeing a team go from historically bad with a historically bad goal differential, and then slowly work their way up, especially if they're not, you know, like New York or something <laughs> like that. I told you Columbus was going to come out with that win tonight in Columbus. Yeah, you did. It was looking rough for them for a bit. Definitely looking rough, but... Carolina and Florida are just insane. Florida pisses me off, dude. They're they're an extremely good hockey team. I'm kind of scared for that back part of the schedule that we were just talking about that ends with Tampa and Florida, I think. That's pretty terrifying. Yeah. Was it end with Tampa and Florida? Yeah. No, it starts with Tampa and Florida. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to be fun. Those are two 
two teams that are going to be extremely tough to play against, especially away. Like, that's not going to be fun at all. Dude, I remember saying to you what? Uh, over the last couple of years, what was the one thing Carolina's been missing? Goaltending. Goaltending. And they have Frederick Anderson now with a 938 save percentage, a 178 goals allowed average. Freddie Anderson's solid, man. They have Antti Ranta as a backup now. They have a solid little tandem over there. Dude, and we're seeing what that hole being filled did for them. Like, I honestly, I'm not saying I predict it, but like I, I said for years, this team is so damn good. They just have Peter Morazic in net every time. Like, they have, like, just some rando in that every single time. And now that they have uh, solid goaltending, watch out for them this year. I think this is the year Carolina takes that. For, I mean, they've already been in the mix over the last couple of years, but I think this is the year, they make like, if they, if they were to, like, yeah, conference finals versus Tampa, well, like, I'm, I, I would be hesitant to pick against them. Me like, too. I, I mean, Freddie Anderson is number one in, in goals against average right now. One seven eight. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, good, good for them. I don't hate Carolina. Nah, he's fourth like, in like the other teams. Like he's top five in both categories. It's pretty... I mean, on that Carolina team, like you just said, the fact that they're getting that kind of goaltending to start the year is crazy, crazy good for them. I mean, Sergei Vibrovsky is number two in save percentage. Like, they're getting great goaltending from him. That I mean, 2-1 loss... Or that two one, yeah, two one loss to the Flyers for Carolina mm-hmm. was their second regulation loss, I know. and their second loss in general on the season. That's the one thing you can give to the Flyers: the teams that they beat this year. I mean, they handed Edmonton their first loss in the season. They, like you just said, they handed Carolina their second regulation loss of the season. I mean, they've beaten some pretty good teams. Carolina, I mean, Washington's a really good team this year. Teams that they've knocked off pretty good team so i will give yeah, them they, that they've beaten three of the top four in the entire league right now yeah so i mean that's pretty good it's pretty good which is which is exciting for me because it shows that they can pull it out they yeah. yeah they can grit games out and when they figure things out we already know that they have the ability to win a close game like winning a 2-1 hockey game as much as i just bitched about it for the last hour like, a lot of teams can't do that. Like, that's a big thing. Like, winning 2-1 hockey games. Like, that's a team win. Good coaching. Good system team win. And um, it's good to know that when the going gets gets rough, that this team can respond. They can take a punch and give one back instead of last year where they would take a 9-0 loss, follow it up with a 7-2 loss, have Limblom fight, 5-1 loss. Yes, yeah. That's why I think this is what makes all this so frustrating is because we know that we can win a 2-1 game, what we couldn't do. That's like the one thing we couldn't do last year. If we if you asked that team last year to win a, a 2-1 game, they couldn't do it. They straight up could not do it. So the fact that they can come out now and win those close games and get good goaltending and, and really solid defense is good. But the fact that just the 1.6 is just always staying in my head. The offense is eternity needs to turn around now. So, I mean, if you're not going to get offense, you're not going to win games. Eight games is bad. In those eight games, what is their record, though? Because I, I don't think it's that bad. No, no, that's the part. Like, like that's the thing. Like, we're, we're we're talking about the goals, but in those games, like the, the Vancouver game, they won. The Calgary game, they lost. Their record's actually pretty good in those games. 4-3-1. and one. I just yeah. did the quick math on it. Like, yeah. dude, positive record. Positive Four, record. Three, one. You're getting great goaltending, and 
in more than half of those games, and you're like the goaltending is the reason why you're in those games. It's just could you imagine if they were scoring goals, like the, how how much different that record would be if they were actually putting up so let's say up, like one more goal a game if they were averaging like they were averaging like two point four goals a game and what how much I mean that's not even that good but imagine if they were doing that over that stretch with the good goaltending good goaltending that they were getting it just that's where I'm at. That's the frustrating part because as good as the record has been, I mean it's not that good, but it's it's a positive record. It's still frustrating because I know that the offense is, has not been there at all, and it's just been goaltending that we've been doing these games. Good goaltending and solid defense. So, yeah, we need that breakthrough game, like I said. Um, next question from Presto: uh, How does this struggling offense power play get fixed um, at this point? There is no reason Frost should not be playing for the Flyers. Should Lindblom be the one to get scratched? Well, you're. Oh my God, yeah, dude, that was on the money. Jesus, I've been saying that too. Yeah, you have. Yeah, I mean, the Lindblom thing is just—I mean, it's pretty obvious that he needs just to have a. And he he responded pretty well last year when uh, Av did this, so it's pretty obvious that he needed a game to sit down. Um, we definitely agree with the whole, the whole Frost. The whole Frost thing. I mean, I definitely think he should be on this team too, for sure. I think he would bring a very, very skillful presence in that bottom six that we could definitely use right now. Um, but I mean, we'll see where I, we'll see where they go with that Frost situation because as more time passes, the more points he puts up, the more confused I get because I'm not like I don't see where that Phantoms team is going and how much he would be developing down there. Than he would on a winning team in the NHL, who's like has good veteran presence in the locker room, and it's good to be around. I, I don't know. Like I said, the more and more as time goes by with that, it's kind of confuses me. Yeah, exactly. It's almost as if like when will the timelines collide? Because the we've already seen an injury to Hayes that didn't do it. We've seen the team struggle offensively that isn't doing it. So so you turn to his play. And you see that he's playing great. That's not it either. His plays. When do the timelines collide? That's just what we're curious about. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe they'll turn around after another solid week here, if he has it. Maybe that'll be the timing. Maybe we look like jerkos after this. After we. I thought that two weeks ago. I did. I oh. thought that two weeks ago. I thought I was kind of like hesitant to say anything brash two weeks ago because I was like, oh, if he gets called up in a week, I'm gonna look like an idiot. But now it's like. I feel like it's been on, like like three weeks now. We've See, been talking about this. I don't think what we're saying is brash. We're not saying call him up. He's gonna score three goals a game. He's the fucking next next best thing in the league. We're just saying, hey, your offense is scoring one point six goals for the last eight games. Your number one prospect is scoring at a point per game rate in the last ten. He he's improved his two way games like you asked. The only thing, the only reason why he's down there right now is to quote unquote get his offensive touch back. He's done that the last ten games. He's put that team on his back a couple of times. I mean, that team's brutal to watch. So like, where, where are we at now? Like, does he have to have another good weekend? And do we have to score two goals over the next three games for him to get called out? Like, we're not saying he's gonna cure, be the cure all, and fucking, and, and be the reason why we score four goals the next. 18 games like we're not saying that it's just give the kid a shot let's see what he's got because i'm so sick of like arguing with dudes about like what he is on 
on Twitter. Hypotheticals, speculation. So sick of it. Let's let's let let's give them fucking ninety games of NHL games and let's see where it's at. Like, I'm so tired of it, dude. I really am. I, I'm I'm tired of hearing myself ask where he is. I mean, ten points in ten games. You asked them to go down there in the games. His offensive confidence back. He's done that. The team can't score goals. The team can't set up on the power play. Like, it's 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 annoying, dude. It's really well, yeah, I know. They're like thir- we're like thirteen games into the season now, essentially one eighth through the year, and I know that's not a ton, but those those games have been adding up, man. It feels like the the year just started. I know, right? Um Yeah, you just have to wonder when the organization's finally gonna pull the trigger on it because it, it to me it always comes back to this. When the puck hopefully drops in May in the Wells Fargo Center for the playoffs, Morgan Frost should be in that lineup. Oh, 100%. He yeah. will be in that lineup. If not, something went wrong completely. The Flyers have already voiced that he will be in the lineup at some point this year full time. It's to me it's just a matter of let's get let's pull the band-aid off sooner than later. Let's let him come up, learn the rookie mistakes. Let's let him do that games 20 through 30 instead of March when we need the wins against Pittsburgh, when we need the wins against the Rangers, Carolina, when we need when we're battling, clawing for every single point, that's a time where I would want that prospect to already be comfortable. That's not a time where I want him just coming up into the season. I want him ready for that moment because that moment should come this year with all the turnover on the roster. That's that's just what it comes back to to me. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see a fourth line of Lawton, Broussard, Thompson, or McEwen. I mean, I would... Personally, I mean, that's my fourth line. The fourth line, what it is right now. I mean, like I said, I don't love it. I don't hate it. It is what it is tomorrow. Brown, Thompson, McEwen, I think it's going to be or something like that. But a Lawton, Broussard, McEwen slash Thompson, whichever one you want to go with, fourth line, is like my April slash May fourth line that I would go into the playoffs with because it has like the skill that can score with Broussard and Lawton on it, but then it has the grit with Broussard, Lawton, and Thompson slash McEwen on it as well. So, yeah. Uh, maybe they're just trying to see what best suits them right now. They're just trying to find the best fourth line and those guys. Because, like, the top the top nine right now isn't the most skilled top line that they could put out there. And I think Chuck and A.V. know that. Because, like, if we know that, I don't know how they wouldn't know that. Because it's definitely not the most skilled lineup that they could have out there. But... Like you said, it is not even, what, 13, 14 games into the season, so maybe we should just calm the fuck down a little bit. Let Frosty keep putting up the points, and he'll be here eventually, so. Yeah, it's just a, it's just bothersome when you see your hockey team barely be able to eclipse past two goals a game, and then you go on your timeline, and you see a highlight of Frost feeding somebody <laughs> for a fucking tap-in. Like, it... it it does oh, get know. a little bothersome. Oh, I know. I definitely. The, the team. I mean, right, the last question. We can just got to segue into that real quick. Actually, we have two left, but we, we should just get the other Frost one out the yeah, way. Yeah, it's Conway's. Yeah. You want to read it? Yeah. Are there any legal avenues we can take to force Frost onto the roster? No, Conway. At this point in time, I think it's all illegal. Um, if, if there was any legal ways to do it, I think it'd be done. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, uh, like I just said, a couple, let's give it a couple, 
couple more days. Let's see what he does Wednesday. He, he has a couple of points Wednesday. I'm going to be like, okay, what are we doing here? Especially if we don't. We have to come out and score some goals tomorrow. Then it will just settle my settle my nerves a lot, a lot more. Final question from our boy Luke from the Liberty Line. Biggest surprise player of this season so far and any letdown players through the first handful of games. Um, I'll go first if you want. Yeah, go. I think the biggest surprise, and it's not even a guy that has put up a lot of goals or put up a lot of assists, and I think you would actually kind of agree with me here. I think it's going to be Justin Braun, though. Justin Braun oh, absolutely. or Bra- Jones, either of those yeah. two. I, mean, no, Justin- I was going to list multiple dudes for every, every one of those. So yeah, I, Justin Braun for me, I, it, he's been, to start out the season, what they've asked him to do in Ellis' absence, I I think we can all agree that at this point in his career, Justin Braun is not a top two defenseman. But the fact that he's been playing up there as well as he has for the last, what, six, seven games has been fucking awesome in my opinion. I mean, he's he's got, what, seven points to go along with that as well. So it's not even like he's he's not even getting the points. I mean, he's doing that, playing well defensively. I mean, we know what he brings to the PK. I, I, I thought he's he, – I mean, he looks 23 again. I thought he's Dude, he, yeah, he looks awesome. good. He like, looks awesome. he looks legit good. But the thing with me, he worries me. The thing about about that worries me is the start's good, but, like, how consistent can he be with that? Because in the back of my head, I do know that at this age, he's not that defenseman anymore because of the consistency issues that come with being that. You know what I mean? Like, playing those many minutes for that, for that long, for that many games at that age... I mean, Provorov can do it now. He's like 23, 24. But, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see with Justin Braun. I love the way he's been playing. But it does worry me because now Ellis being out for a long extended periods of time, how long can Braun stay this good up there? You know what I mean? Like, can he be up there for 20, 30-plus games and play well? We'll see. We'll see for sure. Biggest surprises for me... um... Gotta throw Braun. Gotta throw Jones in there, yeah. and uh, I will throw Carter Hart in there because there has there was some question marks about him going into the year. I mean, we all know, like there was no reason to hit a panic button. We knew yeah. what Carter Hart brings and how young he is. But the way he has started this season is like he just put everything to fucking bed. He put everything. He looks genuinely scary to play against right now, yeah, like his straight up demon. Confident again with him behind the net for sure. It's great seeing him come out and kind of put last year behind him in a way because he's been unfortunately he's been the reason why they've been in a lot of these games the recent games at least tiny honorable mention over the last couple games just for Rasmus Ristolainen like jumping up in the play that one little backhand play where he brought it I thought he was about to score on that one in Dallas Um, not even him jumping up in the play his play all around the last five six games has been Mightily improved yeah. from his. You can three. see the skill on him. Like he has it. Like he has that that gazelle smoothness to him. And when he breaks it out, he doesn't do it often. I've noticed that. Like there are times like he will just lay the bomb, play good defense. But when he when he turns on them offensive jets a little bit, he, he's kind of fun to watch, dude. No, he's not bad at breaking the puck out at all. He he he's made a couple of really solid plays under pressure with the puck in like a tight space that I've been like, okay. Okay, Risto, I see you moving the puck as a big guy. That play was pretty hard, but you made it look pretty smooth. So, no, I like Risto's play last 7th game for 
sure. whenever whenever he winds back and fires or fires a shot on that, I there's a part of me that's always like, ooh. He's got to get one soon, dude. I mean, he has a hell of a shot. I mean, he scored what four, three, no, four forty point se- points in in his career so far. So like, he has the skill to to score points. So we'll see. My negative surprises: um, JVR, Lindblom. Um, and you know what? Over the last little bit, just over the last little bit, I'm gonna throw Keith Yandel in there. Oh no, for sh- no, dude, Mike, our our friend Mike, who I mean, he watches hockey, but he's not obviously not as doesn't watch as much as we do. But even he was like, yo, Yandel's had a rough couple of games. I'm like, I looked at him and I was like, yeah, he has, dude. He has not been good the last couple of games at all, especially in his own zone. He he's turned the puck over in his own zone. Far too many times for my like in the past three four games. It's been it's been weird because you're so used to Yandel being good, especially just throughout the season. Yeah, and it's like I feel like when I've watched him on other teams like Arizona, Florida, New York, whenever he would get that pass, remember when he had the puck in the slot and he passed it? I think it was a Toronto game. Oh yeah, and we were like, "What are you doing? Like the team cannot score a lick." Team can't score a lick, and you have a wide open grade A chance, and you pass it up. How could you? And like, I feel like that's just something I've seen Yandel like bury on another team. So um, I think he'll be all right though in the long run. But you, with him, it's always a give and take, right? Like you get his, you get his good value contract, you get his puck movement. But th- obviously, there's a reason why the price tag is what yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. And the reason why he's playing on the third pair as well. So. You got anything else before we wrap this one up? 60 minutes in. Um, I will just say expectations going into tomorrow and this week are not sky high. Yeah, I'll throw a prediction. I think 2-1, 2-1. That's fair, right? I mean, that's good. Yeah, I'd take 2-1 in this last next three games for sure. I'm predicting Calgary and Boston are dubs. Tampa, I feel like whenever we play Tampa, we can't score. And at, and now we can't score anyway, so uh, two nothing Tampa win. I mean that that'll be the game they put out five, right? Just yeah, because you said that. Absolutely. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'd say two and one as well. Uh, maybe one and two because I think those Tampa, Tampa and Boston games are gonna be really, really, really tough games, and especially with the way that they've been playing recently. It all depends on this Calgary tomorrow. They come out and they play well against Calgary, and I'll ha- I'll be a lot more confident than I am now against Tampa and Boston. But as of as of right now, I'm leading towards a more one and two than I am two and one. But um, I could definitely maybe see one two. one and one. I could, maybe I could see that too. But I could definitely, I could definitely see two and one. So we'll see. I'm excited to see where uh, where things go. Next time we talk, we'll see where this team's at. Probably what next Monday because next Monday they're off as well. So probably do that. Yep. Just need to see a spark. I need to see a fire in the team because I haven't seen it. I need. I need someone to score and then scream with extreme relief because they know they they're struggling. Like I need to see that moment. But uh, this one was a ton of fun. Episode seventy one of the Liberty L. Follow us on all social channels at the Liberty L. Twitter at Tly Danny at Chris Stumps. Give us a good rating on iTunes if you please. And go floor.